in Deuteronomy chapter 2, it says, Then they turned and journeyed into the wilderness of the way of the Red Sea. This is Israel. This is 2,000 or 2 million plus people that have journeyed to Israel, uh, through, through the promised land God has given them, but they're not in the promised land. They're in Egypt, which is a type of sin, in bondage. And God delivers them through Moses. Moses is a deliverer, uh, a representation of Christ. Moses delivers them. They go through the Red Sea, which is a type of water baptism. And now they're out in the wilderness, and they've been there for 40 years. Now, theologians tell us that it not had been for God moving them, that journey would have only taken 14 days. But here they are, 40 years in the wilderness, and God is showing them this journey is predicated upon their faith, upon their confession, and what they're really ready to believe for and embrace the change. Then they turned and they journeyed into the wilderness, the way of the Red Sea. And the Lord spoke to me as we skirted Mount Seir for many days. And the Lord spoke to me saying, you've skirted this mountain long enough. Turn northward. In other words, God's saying it's time for a change. It's time for a change. Turn to your neighbor and say, it's time to change. It's time to change. Do you know that embracing something is hard to do? Embracing change is difficult. The older you get, when you have children, they're little, they're cute, they're dependent. Then they get older, and then they become teenagers. And you say, what happened to my cute little babies? What happened to, to the ones that were totally dependent upon mom and dad? Now they become independent. Change has come. Or how about the person working a job, and now the change of retirement. Start thinking about future, the, the change. Israel is, in, is, is, is getting change, not because they wanted it, because they didn't. God orchestrated it through a miracle, but they refused to let go of the past sin bondage called Egypt. That's why it's important to set a goal, maintain a goal, but don't live by the by the, if I don't achieve that goal, I'm never going to, no, no, no. Don't be stuck on just a goal because you have to embrace change. Sometimes God's got greater things for you than just achieving one particular goal. That's why you read this text, and Israel is the apple of God's eye, just as you are the apple of God's eye. God wants the very best for his people. He's always interested in giving his people the very best. Egypt was not the best for them. The promised land is the best for them. The promised land flowing with milk and honey, it's the best thing for them. But they refuse to let go of what they thought was good to receive God's best. Have that happened to you? Refusing to give up what is good, to receive what is better, God's best. So often we, we hold on to the good and we refuse to receive God's best. The Bible says the good and perfect gifts come from where? Above. So often God gives us good things, but if you want to get to another level of faith, I want to encourage you, let a revelation come for you today and receive the perfect things of God. Embrace change. Embrace change because change is coming whether you like it or not. You have to embrace it. You don't think you've changed? Look into a mirror. You've changed. Get some old pictures of yourself. You've really changed. I was telling Aaron in the back there, you know, Jennifer and I got married 18 years ago, and she's so, she's beautifuler today than she was back then, but she was fine back then, trust me. And 
But I, you know, I've, I was bald back then, believe me. We're going to show pictures. But I, you know, I was still old school. You know, my Chicano ways were still in a full effect back then. So I, I had my Stacey Adams. My, I had my Bogart pants. I, was, I would cut you with my pleats. I mean, I literally had to have them tailor-made because I'm like, I ain't wearing nothing tight down there. I want them big. I want them. I want crease. So, you know, I was vato loco forever. But, you know, I've changed since then. Thank God my wardrobe has changed. But change has come whether we want it or not. They've been traveling for 40 years to reach a goal that really would have taken them 14 days. They wanted, God wanted to give them the best, but they refused to turn loose of the past. How many of you know it happens to us? We can romanticize the past so much when the past really wasn't that good to begin with. We can romanticize it. Oh, back in the day, you should have heard the music. We don't want to hear about your 80s rock, man. Don't be blaring it. We don't want to hear it. 80s soul? Yeah. 70s soul? Oh, yeah. But not your rock and roll stuff. We don't want to. No, no, no. I know that we can romanticize the past, even though the past may have not been all that good. Do you know Egypt was slavery? It was poverty, it was suffering, it was shame, it was perpetual agony. Their children were drowned in the Nile River. Many of them, you would think, could forget that as soon as God delivered them out, but they couldn't. They wanted to go back to it, they refused to change. It's like so many people today. They want progress, all of us do. We want progress, but progress cannot come unless there's change. It's been said, if you want something you've never had, you must do something you have never done. And most people change in life, not because they embrace it, it's because the fire has come, because adversity has come, and God has put them in a place of adversity, or life has put them in a place of adversity, and change has come, not because they've seen the light. Oh, now they feel the heat, and the heat has come, and the heat is... Two of you are from there. I know that happens. Because you and I have to do something we've never done to receive something we've never had. We have to do something we've never done to receive something we've never had. The definition of insanity is doing the same old thing and expecting a different result. Do you know Israel's first mistake was this? They could not forget Egypt. What in the world did Egypt have to offer? 430 years, nothing but brick pits, mud holes, slavery, abuse, whipping, slave owners, starvation, death, rape, murder of their children, throw them into the Nile River. After 430 years of suffering, you would think their reaction to freedom would be so wonderful, but their reaction was not. They were literally addicted to the past. It's like so many people today. They receive the Lord. They receive God's goodness. But they don't even realize they get addicted to the past, past hurts, past relationships, past failures, the past things that were said to them, said about them, the things that were done to them. And they become addicted to living in the things that have happened in the past. They don't do it intentionally. I don't believe Israel did it intentionally, but nevertheless, it happened. God sends him Moses to lead them out. Moses is a type of deliverer, a form of Christ. He sends them this deliverer. They've been praying for a deliverer for centuries, and God sends it to them. And listen to their answer. The answer is they sent Moses, God sends Moses, and they, they, they literally said, prove it. Prove it to us that you're the deliverer 
So Moses puts his hand in his tunic. He pulls it out. It's leprous. He puts his hands back in his tunic. He pulls it out, and it's smooth as baby's flesh. They said, that's enough to convince us. God sends these earth-shattering miracles. Moses' rod, it was the rod of judgment, by the way. That's the first rod in the Old Testament. The rod of Aaron was a rod of grace. It was budded. That's because God was showing through the rod of Aaron that grace would come in the man Jesus Christ. I want you to know that because this rod that Moses had was a rod of judgment. Judgment, I believe, because of confessions. Judgments because of mindsets, not embracing change. They go through this amazing thing. They come out of the Red Sea, the type of water baptism. They get freed from Egypt, which is a type of sin. Moses is the deliverer. He's delivering them out. Three days out in the wilderness. Isn't it interesting? The Bible tells us it's three days. Why? Because it would be three days that Jesus would be in Hades receiving the keys of death, hell, and the grave and telling the enemy that he is the the healer and the one who sets the captives free. But now they're three days out in the wilderness and they have an opportunity to embrace the change. They have an opportunity to do what the man of God tells them to do and go where the man of God tells them to go. So why do they say these words to Moses three days into the wilderness? Why did you bring us out here to die? That's what they told the man of God who delivered them, earth-shattering miracles. Why'd you bring us out here to die? The scriptures say their confession started to happen. They longed for the leeks and the garlics of Egypt. The Bible says they longed for it. They longed for the mole and the enchiladas and the, and, oh, I'm getting hungry. They longed for it. In other words, Egypt was hell on earth earth, but they couldn't get it out of them. They couldn't let it go. Egypt was hell, but they couldn't turn it loose. Does that describe you today? You've received the miracle of salvation. You've received the deliverer, but you can't let go of the things of the past. You can't let the past failure go. You can't let the past divorce go. Your past sin, your past mistake, all that stuff, because religion, you know, good people can tell you the wrong things. Good meaning people can teach you the wrong things. And maybe some of you have been taught by an authority figure, a former pastor, a former leader, that you've got to live in that, in that past. You've got, to, you've got to repent, brother. You've got to repent, sister. And everything is predicated upon your current repentance status, whether you're in the right standing or not. You don't qualify yourself by what you do or what you don't do. You qualify yourself by receiving the Son of God and embracing the Lord Jesus Christ. That's why it's so important when we, when we look to the arm of the world, the arm of the flesh, it'll just bring us down. When we look to what we can do, it starts to build pride. But when we look upward, it starts to bring us freedom because we're looking toward grace. We're looking toward the Lord, Jesus, the one and only. It lifts us up because he said, if I be lifted up, I would draw all men unto myself. Have you failed last year, last month? Did you fail this morning? Did you have a little episode in the parking lot, in the foyer, maybe in your seat? 
Can I encourage you? Let it go. Forget it. Move on. Don't become bitter biscuits. Become better at it. Don't drown yourself in a sewer of despair and depression and let that thing overtake you, leaning to the things of this world. Leaning. How many people, they love God, but they bring in all the junk of the world in their relationship with God. They bring in their fear. They bring in their depression. They bring in their worry. They bring in their, bless God, you're not moving. I'm not changing. I'm so stuck. I am stuck, stuck, stuck. And God says, no, no, don't get so stuck that I can't move you. I've got something better for you. I've got new things for you. Let last year's bitter memories leave you. Let the mistakes of the past go. Turn loose the shackles of the habit. I know you're battling with habits. Bad habits don't make a bad person. Let that stuff go. Turn loose the emotions that have tried to rot your soul. Turn loose the slavery, of, the, if you will, of the brick pit. Turn loose the resentment of other people who have lied about you and lied to you and other people have betrayed you. Let that stuff go. Learn to turn it loose, what Satan has meant to destroy you. Use it as a stepping stone. He's under your feet. Put your foot on the neck of the enemy. The victory's yours through Christ the Lord. God's waiting for you to receive his abundance. See, that's important. He's waiting for the church. That's the people. He's waiting for you to receive the abundance of prosperity, receive the joy, the peace. When you get up every day, I just had a talk with my teenage daughter. And so often, you know, especially when we're emotions are going and certain things don't go our way as human beings. And I would tell her, like I tell you, learn to change the channel, baby. Learn to change the channel. Don't focus on yourself. Don't focus on your problem. Change the channel. You can't think about two things at once. I know you're a multitasker. I know you're awesome, but you can't think of two things at once. Learn to change the channel. Look toward the Father. Look toward the Lord. The promised land is yours. This earth is not our home. Heaven is our home. Very soon the trump of God shall sound. The voice of the archangels will split the heaven. I don't know about you, but I get excited to think about heaven. I get excited about telling people about heaven. I love the Lord and his mighty power. Aren't you glad that God has got you in the palm of his hand and everything's going to be all right? This is God we're talking about, folks. We're not talking about mind problems and let's talk about the latest thing of relationships. Let's get up in the church. Let's talk about what you're going through. I think all that stuff is good in its own setting, but we're not here to have a kumbaya. We're here to talk about the Lord, the one who is the creator of heaven and the creator of earth. He is stronger than the government. He is stronger than any power, principality or darkness. He's stronger than drugs, alcohol or pornography. He's stronger than anything that would try to come against you. Let the Lord be magnified who takes pleasure in the process of his children. Let God be magnified and let his enemies be scattered today. I think there's freedom with confession. The Bible says in Philippians 3.13, forgetting those things which are behind you. I want to encourage you to do that. Forgetting those things which are behind you. Reach toward what lies ahead. Do you know, secondly, it took Israel 40 years to gain God's best because they refused to change? God had it always waiting out there, but it took him 40 years to get it. It should have been 14 days, but it took 40 years because they refused to change. It's been said it took one day for God to get Israel out of Egypt, but it took 40 years to get Egypt out of Israel. And that's why some people don't receive that next level of revelation, because God's got to get some things out of us before he can fill us with the right stuff. 
He's got to get certain things out of us. Do you know they've been there for 430 years? It took them a long time before they learned how to listen to God, to get the leading for their lives. Have you ever met anybody, um, let's just say, that refused to change? You ever met anybody like that? Don't turn to your wife. Just look right at me. you got to ask yourself, why am I doing what I do? Why do I think like I think? Why am I going where I'm going? And then you need to hear the word of the Lord that says, turn north, take a new direction. You've been in this rut long enough. I can hear the people of Israel, and I can even hear some of you. And I can read lips, by the way, even though it's dark. I can hear some of you going, oh, no, man. No bueno. I've been out here in the wilderness. I like the grit. I like Stockton. We're dirty. We keep it real. We tell it like it is. I just speak my mind. I say, poor you and poor people that hear you. I just put something like that recently off. You know, when people say, I tell it like it is, I speak my mind. I just keep it real. I say, bad positions for God's leaders. You're never to speak your mind, tell it like it is, or I just keep it real. One of the things that drives me bug nuts is when people, when things don't go well and they go, oh, it's just Stockton. Oh, it's just Stockton. You know what? We got to change that narrative. Oasis Church is here to change that narrative. It's not just Stockton. We're the people of God. We live in this city. But I can hear the people and they say, oh, man, we were born out in the wilderness. I like the grit. I like it dirty. I'm from the I like the marching around in the sand. 120 degree heat. Ah, ah it's good for the pores. I like it. I like the heat. I like the snakes. I like the scorpions. I've got names for them. This is Lizzie the lizard. This is the scorpion. This is Stan. Oh, they bite you, but it's fine. This is my pet. The snake, they're going to get around your leg, and when you feel the circulation cut off, it'll be fine. I like that. I just, you know, that's just part of who we are. I like it. You don't like it? I like the grit. I like the marching around. I like it. No, no, that's not God's best for you. God has something better for you. He's got something better than your sickness, your disease, your worry, your anxiety, your fear, your depression. God's got something better than all that stuff. But you know what happens? We get into a rut as the worship team comes and we close. We get into a rut. All of us have, have, have this mentality, if we're not careful, to get into a rut. That's what happens when your life, you go along, the older you get, you get into a rut. And a rut is both, uh, is a grave with both ends kicked out of it. It's true because a life can get into a rut. Marriage can get into a rut. Jennifer told you we've been married 18 years. Our counselor says we're doing a lot better. You know, three stages of marriage. You know what they are, right? Lust, rust, and dust. <laughs> I got to, I, you know what, you guys... You guys are laughing, so I'm going to keep the party going. Reminds me of a story of a husband and wife. They were kind of in a rut. They'd been married a long time, and the, and the wife began to tell the husband, how come you never do nothing for me? How come you never take me nowhere? And the husband says, well, I work hard. I do what I can do. And so he felt bad, you know, hearing the wife talking about them lives being in a rut. So he says, well, why don't we go to the county fair? 
So they had both agreed and they went to the county fair. And as they went to the county fair, they saw a man taking people up in, in plane rides. I mean, it was an open seat plane and he would take people up. And the wife said, man, that looks fun. Let's do it. But the guy saw the price, $100 per person. And he said, that's way too much money. I can't afford to do that. That's way too much money. And the pilot over here in the conversation told the husband and wife, he says, I'll tell you what, if, if you and your wife will go up in my plane and neither of you scream, I'll let you ride for free. How about that as a deal? Husband says, you got a deal. Gave $100 for him, $100 to his wife for them to go up. They got into the open-seated plane. The wife was right behind him. The pilot jumped in the front, and they took off, and that pilot did every nose flip. He went up high. He went down low. He did one of those loop-de-loops. Finally, they landed. The pilot got out, told the husband, he says, I can't believe it. Both of you, you didn't make a noise. He says, I can't believe it. That's amazing. The husband said, well, that second barrel roll, I almost screamed. He says, you did? How come? He says, that's when my wife fell out of the plane. It's $200 on the line, man. <laughs> Some of you thought that was a true story. But at least they're not in a rut, right? But Israel, like, like us, we get into a rut. We do. We get into this place where it's hard to change. It's hard. It's a rut. Forty years, they've been packing. They've been unpacking the same tent, the same clothes, the same food. Their clothes didn't wear out. I think the miracle that the clothes still fit. They became masters of their routine. Listen, they confuse something. And we do the same thing. Motion with progress. They confused. They were in motion, but they weren't progressing. They were having motion, but without progress. That's what so many people today, it's the 21st century. We live at such a rapid pace. Things are changing all around us. Your smartphone, they've now said, is smarter than what took the pilots, uh, the, the astronauts to NASA in the 1960s. What's in your pocket is more advanced than what took the astronauts to NASA, to the flight of the moon in the 1960s. We are so advanced. We're constantly on the go. But I am concerned that the church in America, the church in this room, you and I, we confuse motion with progress. Activity is not achievement. There's a difference between the two. When you really don't know where you're going and what to do, you got to stop and think and get your bearings. That's important. And hear the word of the Lord that says, turn north move, go in this direction, and you'll go with my blessing, and it will be an exciting journey. But until you know what you're doing and where you're going, can I tell you to encourage you, stop and rest in the Lord. Some of you don't know what it means to rest in the Lord. Rest in the Lord. Wait for God to give you a, a word. Wait for God to give you divine direction. That building that we're going to, I did everything in our power with our, with our executive board and all of our elders. We, we exhausted everything every resource we could. We tried to buy golf courses and different things, and it just wasn't the season. I'm telling you that for a reason. We, we put seeds out everywhere. We put what I call fleeces out everywhere. And I said, we will wait, which is not my nature, because you saw the video, we're already demoed. But not my nature, but I said, this is a big move. We can't do it in haste. We got to wait on the Lord. And so I did what I'm asking you to do. Lord, you know exactly where Oasis Church needs to go. And then here it comes, right back to the place that we prophesied in 2010. 
And here I'm saying, Lord, if this is for a season or if it's going to be the stages for the whole block, you know exactly what we need and where we need to go. And I'm telling you that for a reason, because sometimes in the beginning, when God tells us something, we don't see the full picture. God says, step out in faith, do that. We don't see the full picture. I was so intimidated to speak, and I still am. After all these years, last week I was at a conference, and, and I was the, the conference speaker at the end of it, and it, the people, oh, it's the best message I've ever heard. Most, and I was like, I wanted to film it and say, we, I just need to show this to Oasis, how awesome I am. Like everybody was like, this is amazing. But you know what I realized? It wasn't that I was amazing. It was because of all the years of trusting the Lord, I had weight behind what I was saying. I had weight behind what I was saying. It wasn't a traveling minister giving somebody else's dissertation of what he read in a book or somebody else what they seen in a movement. I gave what I had went through and what I am going through by the revelation of God. And it was weighty and it was substantive. And it brought forth supernatural change. You and I are on a journey called life. It's not a parking lot. And I'm asking the Holy Spirit to give every one of you in this congregation a divine spark, a word of direction for this new season that we're in because fall is upon us and a word that will reveal God's specific purpose and his plan for the rest of your life that you will see the best of the days in your life come. Do you want God's best? You got to recognize it when it comes. You have to recognize it. You have to be willing to give up good for God's best. Being here was good. It was good. It was a season. It was a seed. But I knew as soon as I came in 2010, I'm not a manager. The other ministers were managing the denomination. In other words, if the denomination said go, they would go. If they said stay, they'd stay. And then a ball-headed radical came in who wasn't a manager. With fear and great trembling, he came in and said, Lord, there's something for us to do. There's somebody that doesn't know you that needs to be encountered. This city is full of religious nonsense. And it needs an encounter of real God stuff. Not an encounter of the works of God, not a manifestation of what people think is God, not, a, not this or not that. It needs a Holy Spirit encounter. And I'm saying that to tell you, God will direct your steps if you wait upon the Lord. When Christ came into the earth, we'll close. He came into Bethlehem's manger. Do you know there were millions of people on the earth at that time? There were. But only a few, a handful of shepherds came to the party. Remember, good is the enemy of better, and better is the enemy of best. And God gives you something. And when he gives you something, it's, he gave Jennifer and I something 18 years ago. He gave us a family that we didn't have. He gave us children. We didn't have mothers and fathers to raise us. He gave us a family. Her and I and our girls. And then that was good. I started ministering the gospel two weeks after being saved, 1997, and that was good. And people everywhere I would go would say, man, Joey, you quote the scripture. How do you even know that? And I say, I don't know. It's God's gift. And that was good. But then God says, no, no, I got something better for you. 
I'm going to take this out of your hand and I'm going to give you something better. And then God brings us into a, a city that needs him. A city that needs a, not a church of religious entities, but needs a family. And that's why the first few years of being here, the enemy beat me up and took people out of the family. Beat me up because he knew my weakness was I wanted a family. But I couldn't do it with that old wineskin of this former facility. He's telling you. Because I didn't have the DNA of that former establishment. And God says, you're going to get your family. But you're not going to get it in a way that the city's used to. You're going to get it in a way that I've ordained. And see, you and I have to be willing to climb out on the limb and take those risks. But so often, more than not, people, they don't climb out on the limb anymore. They're afraid to climb the tree. And God says, no, climb. I want you to rise higher. I want you to see what I want you to see. I want you to believe for more. I want you to be a person of integrity, a person of belief, a person that has morals, a person that literally believes that Bible from cover to cover, a person that doesn't get hang up on the minors and major on those minors and let's go of the majors of faith, hope, love, and optimism and mercy. But I want you to be people of faith, people that smile in the midst of adversity. I want you to be people that go out into the community and don't go, Jesus, 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 oh, that, but live Jesus, live Jesus, live Jesus. I'm sorry, but I've had enough of religious people, Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. I'm like, can you just live it? You don't need to tell me, tell God. Live it. All right, I'm off my soapbox. Can we stand? This city needs you. This society needs you. But you have to be willing to give up what's good for God's best. The Bible tells us when Jesus came into the world, He came into the world looking for 12 who were willing to risk everything that He was the Son of God. Now why the 12? You and I have an understanding know that there are 12 tribes of Israel and he needed to reflect all 12 of those tribes to bring forth what the Gospels would tell us would bring forth unity. And he was looking for 12 to come into the world. These 12 men were willing to risk everything that he was the Son of God. They forsook their occupation. They forsook their homes. They forsook their friendships. And that time they lost their lives. And the Bible says they forsook all and they followed him. And they did it immediately. And the reason they did it, they saw he was heaven's answer to a hopeless world. 2,000 years have now come, plus. And the names of those 12 are all across the earth because they were men of courage that were willing to change and reach out and claim God's best. If you want God's best, you've got to take a journey into the unknown. Innovators are not made by committees. They're not made by playing it safe. You're designed to launch out. You're designed to believe what others don't believe. You're designed to walk in wholeness and health and strength. You're designed to be filled with the Holy Spirit. 
and to speak with the boldness of a lion. You're designed to have those gifts of the Spirit. You're designed to have the grace of those gifts, not to lord those gifts over and call it your religious freedom. You are designed to carry the presence of God and to carry the wholeness of God and the goodness of God. You are designed for more than what you've currently had, but you gotta let go of what's good and receive God's best. You have to learn to walk by faith and not by sight. And that's where the difference is between you and others because you're willing to take a journey to the unknown.